Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and I'm here with Joel. Hey, hey. What it was, uh, was your birthday? It was. Sunday. Sunday, man. 43. 43. I can't imagine being 43. Dude, Is how old are you? 37. Mm. I still got some years. Mm-hmm. Was it hard? Is it hard turning 40? No, it kind of feels like 42 and 3 and maybe 4 yeah. are all the same. 30 or 45. And then, 40, and then 40. I feel like at this point, it's at, at the five years is when you're like, well, you're like, because when you're, you know, like if you were to guess how old someone was, yeah, you'd be like, how, I bet Jared's like 35 or six. And, and then they found out, you, if they said like, he's 37. You're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of like mid-ish. It's the same. Of your 30s. I, you know, what's weird too is, is so speaking of years, I heard, and maybe it was like, it's kind of like dog years where like five years is like one year. Yeah. Like a one. It's like, like kind of like it's thing. It slows down. Like, and then, you know, there's like not a huge significance with one year, but then five years, it's like 40, like I'll be from 40 to 45 significant, yeah. probably even like will look different. Yeah. But I heard this the other day, and I don't know if it's true about dog years, is that for dogs, the first year is equivalent to 18 years. To like the development of... You know how we, yeah. you say one dog year is like seven? Yeah. I guess it's the first, and then after that, every year is worth three. Interesting. Kind of makes sense. And I think that ends up being kind of the same. Yeah. Because after three years, so what would that be? 18, 21. That's why they do that. It's like seven years. Yeah. But really, it's it's more like in terms of how they're developing, they go from zero to young adult in one year. Yeah. And then... And the pace slows down. Yeah. That's interesting. It's kind of how I feel humans are. We need a fact checker. Yeah, it's like, I feel like the, the first 20, 30 years are normal years. And then once you get a little older, you know, a, one year is really only like one fifth of a year. Yeah. I noticed that when I turned 30, I started feeling pain yeah. every day. Yeah. And it just, it keeps getting worse. Keeps getting worse. Yeah. I didn't start feeling pain when I turned 30 that was associated in my mind with with pain or with being 30, I felt I did have like more of a psychological response. It was like me more mental. Mental. It was like, you know, when you're in your 20s, it's like, that is just crazy. Yeah. You're in your 20s. Yeah. The, the first time I ever, I ever felt or thought like, mm, thought like an adult, I don't know if I think like an adult, but was 30. I was like, man, you are 30. Like as a kid, anyone that's in their 30s is a full-grown adult. Yeah, they're old. They're old. So I remember being like, man, I'm not in my 20s. I'm 30. And I haven't had that. I didn't have it with 40. Oh, that's interesting. 40 just felt like whatever. Just another year. I bet 50 is going to be 
brutal if I make it there. Uh, if Lord willing, is the big question. Hopefully, did I will. you do anything to celebrate? Yeah, just we normal stuff. My family, you know, presents and yeah. cake and singing and. Typically, we go to dinner as a family and that type of stuff. Where'd you go for dinner? Um, well, it got switched around a lot, so we kind of had dinner at home, but it was uh, like a more okay. of a special thing. We had a crazy weekend of, between the two boys, four basketball games and oh my goodness. two football games. And, and then I ended up, on my birthday, running the chains at um, Jets game, running the first down marker, yeah, where I cool. actually was the ball. Yeah. And it was the longest game in the history of Pee Wee football. <laughs> He's in fifth grade and the game was almost three hours long. Wow. Are you serious? It was crazy, man. It was too long. Yeah, that is too long. You have to call it at some point. I call it. Um, but I did my, um, one of the presents I got was my kids and my wife got me this black hoodie with, an embroidered picture of my dog's yeah, face on it. That's and it's sweet. like legit her face. That's cool. It's not like just some... Not just some random dog. Not some random, which is kind of funny because cool. you can that's see special. black labs. And if you don't have a black lab, they all look exactly the same. Yeah. But I know the difference. <laughs> it's in the feel eyes. It. What was the most significant thing that happened in your 42nd year of life? In this past year? Yeah. One thing. Hmm. Man, significant. Wow. That is a hard question. There's you so, should have something that is top of mind. There, there are so many things I feel that happened this year. Thank you for that question, by the way. That's a good question. Yeah. Because it just, I haven't done maybe the... You haven't done the reflection? I haven't done the reflection. I haven't done the inventory of what what's going on and what has gone on. Um, I guess there are things, let's say from like a faith perspective. Um, I would say that significance, I would say that one thing which 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 is linked to many other things internally is as a leader or a pastor of the church i went on a journey this year of really metabolizing everything that i've learned as a pastor um into the very practical nature of like my sermons yeah. So I did like six or seven months of these are the topics that I sit with people in my office and talk about the most. Yeah. And I would say that like in in a way that felt really significant because in a way it felt like, you know, you, you can preach the word and you should and you're supposed to. And you're always supposed to share the gospel and teach about Jesus. And, and, and you can do that even when you're young and when you're zealous. But there are certain things that in terms of life application that you, you know, are really hard to fully comprehend and, and lead people through until you go through a version of them yourself yeah. and help people for a certain amount of years. And so you're exposed to them. And so just that, that 
that process of of being seasoned in ministry, I would say that this was one of those years where a lot of that all became very fruitful, you know, very it just it just it was like here, like I know like the, it's one thing to know like this is what the scripture says. And then it's another thing to like take the narrative and take the Christian life and say like, here's what this means for you today. Yeah. And in this particular area of your life. And I think a lot of times there's somewhat of an ethereal uh, approach and it's a disconnect and, you know, love your neighbor and be a good husband or whatever, you know, all those things. But when you get into the guts of the daily lives of people, you start to see the, the shades and colors and realities that people the specifics that people need, you know, help, help on. Yeah. So I would say that that's pretty significant. Um, yeah. Um, I will say that I, I noticed how intentional this set of series were this year. Yeah. Um, a lot of time and energy yeah. went into making sure that these were on point for yeah. um, what, what people needed most. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to take a quick break, talk about our sponsor of the day. Let's do it. Today's sponsor is fishing. Mm. Joel, do you remember back in the day uh, before there were grocery stores when you'd have to actually go out and, and catch what you're going to eat that night? Of course. Yeah. Um, so do I. Uh, it was one of the worst times of my life. Catch or trap. Yeah. Or, you know. The other thing. Well, if you want to relive those times, you can try fishing. Mm. Uh, all you need is a $30,000 truck, a $40,000 boat, and about $10,000 of gear and tackle. To be so, able to go fish and get yeah. the food that you need. Yeah. yeah. To, so to, to really e live off yeah. of it and sustain. Easily attainable. <laughs> uh, but this is where the fun part comes in. If you expense those costs over the life of the equipment, you know, if you, if you really like math it out, you can get your fish meat down to about $200 a pound. <laughs> so just imagine what you could do with all the savings. Wow. Serious though. Yeah. Wow. You really can. Uh, you can You this, put some money back in the bank. This sounds like it's coming from a Boat owner <laughs> and a a per, someone who has a little bit someone of someone that grew up. I grew up bitter. Uh, yeah, I had, I had some bad experiences with fishing growing up. Don't you have a boat too? Yeah, but it's not a fishing boat. Okay. Yeah, no fishing on my boat. Y you just have like fun a only fun boat. Yeah. Is it like a pontoon or like a speed or like it's a like a yeah recreational recreational yeah, boat tubing yeah. boat. Um, yeah, my dad would take me out for like eight to 10 hours mm. at a time as an eight-year-old. It's just, it's too much for a little kid, you know? So if you're doing that to your kids, let's, let's switch the game up. Let them have a little fun. Yeah. This week, your message was on joy and suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, I really liked that analogy. It talked about um, that if the only purpose of being on earth is to get baptized so that we go to heaven when we mm -hmm. die. Um, that we should just go get baptized and start digging our graves. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really good perspective yeah. on why we're actually here. Right. Um, and you made a point that in order for there to be joy, there has to be something that you compare it to mm -hmm. in opposite proportion. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's really easy to see how the math of that equation looks when you look at it subjectively. Mm-hmm. But at the very same time, we we have this innate desire to avoid pain right. at all costs. Um, do you think that's like a natural propensity of being a human, or was that brought about because of sin? The 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 natural desire to avoid pain. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that you know, I think that pain may not be only attributed to the fall, but maybe. I think you could probably say suffering, you know, to the yeah. point of, you know, where you, you you can't heal or you can't, uh, you know, pain might've just been like an indicator, you know, I mean, the way that God made the world is that work had to be done and we would have to yeah. grind yeah. away a little bit, but then the fall brings about the sweat of your brow and the thorns and the thistles and the rocks and all the, you know, I've talked about it before, but that language in Genesis is that, you know, the curse of the ground yeah. is, is I think it's the same word as obstacle. So it's almost like there was a direct path to, to do the work and make the world the way God wanted us to. And then it became like way more challenging. And, um, and so pain is... It, 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 it's associated with how difficult all of it is, the process, you know, the daily just getting older, you yeah. know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I think it probably is a result mainly of the fall and that we as humans want to avoid it. We want to, we want pleasure as, you know, as a, to juxtapose pain or any problems. We want to feel a sense of self. We want to feel a sense of victory and not experience the challenges. And so obviously at certain costs, we'll choose pleasure over pain. Yeah. Well, we'll choose easy. We'll choose easier, path of least resistance, quick. Yeah. And so... I don't think that quick was ever going to be God's thing either. Yeah, for sure. Right? It's like it's work six days, rest on the seventh. You're going to work the ground. You know, I still believe that there would have been hidden. Yeah. And so not everything would happen overnight. It would be a process. So quick is definitely, you know, I think immediate gratification is certainly a sign of missing the broader purpose of what, we're here to do and what life is really all about. We talked a little bit yeah. about that last yeah. time. You asked if anyone had ever persevered through something and saw the fruit of their perseverance. Uh, yeah. And the fruit that they received from that perseverance was brought about because of the difficult and painful work it took to accomplish what they set out to right. accomplish. How do you develop the mindset that we should look forward to that hardship? Um, we have to go through to get those results. I think part of it is having an understanding that, like I, I mentioned, the world is full of pain anyway, right? So yeah. you're going to feel pain. Yeah. You know, what was that? There was a documentary, Supersize Me. Yeah. You know, it's like you think, well, I just eat McDonald's every day. 
but then in whatever 15 days your you know your heart rate your blood yeah your whole body your whole body's a mess so basically you're headed for pain and so that's one way to get the mindset yeah so it's like you wake up in the morning and is is it pleasure or pain well it's definitely pain yeah there might it's be some be pleasure you know, you might have moments where there's no pain, but it's coming. So you're going to have that. It's going to be a problem. Life is going to be hard. So why not, instead of just going through pain, why add more pain? First of all, why make it more painful? You make it more painful by avoiding the appropriate pain. Yeah. Right. So then now it's like we avoid pain and now we're going to make it more painful. So it's like we know we need to like, it's just, it's kind of like conflict. You know, they say conflict avoided is conflict multiplied or conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. Oh, so you get yeah, into the, that's interesting. You get into this space of like, just imagine in any situation, let's say you need to apologize to your wife. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that takes humility. You know, that takes, um, reflection that takes, that's hard in a way you might call that painful. Yeah. Right. And, and well, let's say you avoid it and that makes you feel better. Well, temporarily, what a, temporarily. Well now the pain, you know, so the conflict or the, 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 the relationship tension has just gotten stretched further. So now you've, you've opted for, for, pleasure, but you haven't solved the problem. So you're going to experience pain in the world. So why not purposefully live a painful life? Yeah. Why not, you know, do something that you know is going to cost, but it has a meaning to it. Yeah. It has some fruit. Yeah, it has fruit. So it's like, that's one of the arguments I've heard for never making happiness, you know, and or maybe temporary pleasure your goal. Because if you make happiness or pleasure your goal, then when you don't have it, like let's say your kid's sick or you have tragedy yeah. or something bad happens or, or whatever, like life just happens and it's really hard. So now you cannot reach your goal. Yeah. Because you made your goal something that you don't have really control over. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know you're going to feel pain and you can every day do something that you know is going to cause pain, but that it's going to bring about meaning. And so it has purpose. So you can look at your life and whatever is delivered into your hands or whatever you put in your own hands and you can say, I'm going to like, like, be a good steward. I'm going to manage this so properly that no matter what happens, I already view it through the lens of it's going to cost me something in order for good to come out. So it's going to be painful. So now when it's painful, it's kind of like if you're going to the doctor for a surgery, then you're like, this is going to be painful. Yeah. It's better to go in and think this is going to hurt really bad. And then you're like, maybe pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But if it's worse, you're kind of like, I knew this was coming. Yeah. So why not go into life thinking, you know, something tragic happens? Well, I'm I'm ready for the tragic. I'm ready. It's going to be painful. It's more painful than I thought. So, but that that pain doesn't have to steal purpose. That pain doesn't have to steal meaning. 
you can you can live your life every day. And we do. That's the thing about this that I, I often get to is we do this. Yeah. It's just when we think about it, we don't want to do it or we wouldn't say, I'm going to go do something that costs me something. But every time you do something with significance, it costs something. So that's like an expense or a sacrifice or or pain. Yeah. Right. So everything you do, you go on a trip, you spend money, you spend time, you spend relational equity away from your kids, what, whatever it is, you know, your parent, whatever, like it just everything costs. You go to work every day. You're not at home. You're spending your mind. You're spending your energy. You're spending your time. It's a grind. It should be hard. But hopefully when you, with, you know, what you're doing every day, you're like, I like, I like what I, I spent. I like what's coming out of that. That has meaning. Yeah. And so the mindset to me is, live the life that God designed you to live, which is a, a life of purpose. It's a life of building. It's a life of, of traveling towards something that is a goal, that is a summit, that is a worthy and noble cause, that God says, this is the top. This is where you should be going. And, um, you know, and so you just start to get the mindset. One thing back to, to this message is I wrote this afterwards because sometimes these things crystallize even more. But this is the rest. Joy is not free. Yeah, for sure. The simple way to put it, joy is not free. Someone paid for your joy. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Every time there's joy, not free. It costs somebody something. Think of a time that you've had joy and how it didn't cost someone something even the like even the the like natural most most common things that we experience every day cost somebody tremendous amounts of something yeah you have a child i mean are you serious that's, how much does that cost it's a big expense it's a big expense financially physically on your wife emotionally time emotion medicine, whatever, man. I mean, just like in the greatest joy, right? Your baby's being born or whatever it is, tons of cost. And so that's the picture, right? Of Jesus, yeah. who for the joy set before him. So any joy you've ever felt with Jesus came at a huge expense. And that's what I got into. The water being turned into wine, we look at that as just like, oh, Jesus, just it didn't cost. He's just a miracle worker. He can just do it every once. No, that was tremendous expense, him being there was everything. Yeah. He left everything so he could be there. Yeah. So you can see what it looks like to, to start to experience the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. So when you start to look at it that way, that's what we do. We put on a kid. You think about it. You put on a birthday party for your kids, right? It's just like, cost something. And you watch your kids have so much fun. Yeah. Like I took my, my, uh, my oldest son. He wanted to have this birthday party. And there's this place like an hour north of here. And it has this giant like... Uh, it's basically like an outdoor, uh, it's on a lake. So, it, but it's like these big inflatables. So it's not uh, just like a blob. Yeah. It's like, there's like a mountain that you go to the mountain. There's like ladders and like, you know, slides and then like little obstacle things or lily pads. And it, it, you know, it's gotta be 50 yards by 50 yards. It just covers a huge section. You swim out to it. You know, I mean, it costs a certain amount of money and drive all day. I sat there all day and just in the car, but like he had the best time. I mean, they did not want to stop. Yeah, that's you know cool. what I mean? And it's like joy, joy, bringing someone a sense of peace costs, always costs something. So 
That's really good. Spend money, spend your life on the joy that you hope for. Yeah. That's the mindset. It's like, I'm, I'm going to reap the results of this. So I'm, that's my mindset. And it's just understanding that you can't avoid it anyway. Yeah. And that's, that, that is a big step for people. When you think that life is, and I know it's, it's so overly simplified, happiness, comfort, well-off, safe, you know, whatever you might think, you know, enough retirement, whatever. No, man, you, you're, you're going to be let down. Yeah. It's all just a veil. Joy is joy is there, but it all costs something. And if the, if you think the destination is just no cost, I don't know what you know, I mean. I don't know what what world you're living in. You know, you can have all the kinds of money in the world, but if you don't spend time developing relationships that are meaningful, you can be a really really sad and alone rich person. Yeah. So anyway, it's an easy concept to to describe, but it is it is very difficult for people to, you know, embrace it. Yeah, you kind of have to um, do a lot of evaluating of mm -hmm. your own life to really get to that point yeah. of um, materializing. That and, I, and I do think I do think that the like whatever the harvest is, whatever the joy is, whatever the the outcome is, I mean, that makes it worth it. Right. Oh, yeah, I for mean, sure. it does. And in a weird way, in certain aspects, pain is enjoyable along the way. Yeah, it can be. The the journey, you yeah. know, I mean, like, I mean, how many people, it's so popular right now to go on hikes. You know yeah. what I mean? Go on a hike. A hike is like, I mean, that's a, that's a serious thing. Yeah. You're sweating. You got to get the right boots. You got to, whatever. I mean, it's it's hard. You're ascending. Katie and I went on a, a hike up a mountain in, in California last summer for a wedding. And like the whole thing was like, wouldn't that be cool to go to the top of that mountain? It was like a hiking trail, 95 degrees, California, no, no humidity. Oh my gosh. Painful. Yeah. I'm Painful. Sure. But like, I loved it. Yeah. So there's something about grinding away at at a summit at a at a trail that matters that brings I'm not going to say that's the joy but there's like a level of almost like cyclical fuel that comes from doing something that matters. Yeah. Well you're doing it for a reason. Mm -hmm. If if you're out there wandering around without any reason or intention it, mm -hmm. it probably would just be grueling and then i would add to to the whole idea of of suffering i think that part of suffering you know is not just those moments or the intentional things that you you do but there 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 becomes uh, you know the reality in 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 a lot of people's lives of you know the unsolicited pain you know, whatever that might be, it, it might be illness. It might be, you know, someone sick and dying. It might be whatever a relationship that goes south or, 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 or whatever you might have or a business that fails or something that's dying on the vine type of thing. And that can become, you know, long suffering. Yeah. And, um, that 
that is another gear, you know, that I think moves into the space of God providing something in the, the presence of his spirit that, you know, you can't go grind away for. Yeah. Like you need him in the extra, in the spiritual sense to instill hope and the hope, right, is the is what gets you through this long suffering that you have of the joy that will come. And that's the revelation passage. You know, he will wipe away every tear. He will. So in a sense, whether we have our little microcosms of pain and process and meaning and all that stuff that we do, or we have some type of trial on earth that is a long suffering, you know, you think about just stories, Nelson Mandela, people that are like in prison for years and years and years or whatever, and, and they're suffering, even un, you know, uh, you know, they sh- unlawfully or whatever. Like, what is the, there, there is an end to this suffering at whatever it may be. And for some, the long suffering, there may not be the joy that is a fruit of that long suffering until the kingdom comes in its fullness. Yeah. And for some, there may be suffering that there is joy in these pop-up showers that came at an expense or that, you know, results change and God does something and he steps in. And that's another part of suffering that um, it's a different gear, you know, because it's easy to say, go choose your pain and work hard every day. But I, I will tell you, though, when you view the world as it is a painful place and it's really hard to, to to live this thing, so you know you need Christ. And Christ doesn't just give you ease in the storm with his presence. He gives you purpose with the storm. It's yeah. like you can actually build something. But, like, that's a difference. That's a difference maker. You know, so um, uh, people who are suffering for a really long time um, that have planned and thought about life as suffering tend to, in my opinion, kind of have like a, a, a little bit of a more palatable disposition for the pain. Yeah, they kind of tempered themselves. They kind of tempered themselves, right. yeah. Um, kind of in that um, vein of like unsolicited hardship, is there anything that we can do as brothers and sisters in Christ to help people going through those moments um, either realize that there is some joy-filled experience in that or something that we can do to bring about a joy-filled experience? Yeah, I think think that, you know, when someone is suffering, (laughs) one of the things that you have to be careful about is, what I would say first is, you need to understand your relationship to the, to the person. Yeah. So, you know, we both have a coworker here who got diagnosed with cancer last year. Wes. Yeah. He's one of my dear friends, man. I mean, very closest people in my life. And so when, when he first told me and we, we first talked and prayed and, and I listened, you know, there was a lot of, of just listening. Now, this is someone that I really know and that I have access to. Yeah. Um, 
And because I have access to him, there, there were times where I could remind him of God's purpose and plan and all of that. And he would receive it. You know, hey man, aren't you thankful that God's plan is to restore our bodies through a physical resurrection? Yeah. It's like that, that has a new shade when you have a body that's dying of cancer and then you're putting chemicals in your body that are basically like, you know, um, poison. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he can receive that and it can like bring hope. It can bring a sense of joy because the delivery and the relationship was that. And you really can, can, there's a level of vulnerability. I think it's important not for Christians to just kind of toss this, well, you know, God's going to fix it all in the end type of thing yeah. at just a rant. You know, I think that that, I, I think that that lacks the, the relational EQ of kind of empathy and sitting with people and crying with people and feeling the pain because, you know, the pain, even Jesus didn't just like jump to the joy of the resurrection. Like he died on the cross and was, it was in the grave. And so I think that, that idea of, of his life and his death and then his resurrection is kind of a picture of the process of how we can go through something with people. You know, there's a time to like weep and there's a time to like sit in the darkness and be silent and wait. And then there's a time to be reminded. And, and in that, that is where that, you see that, isn't it interesting? You see that joy and suffering kind of kiss one another. Yeah. I believe there's a Psalm that talks about it, kissing one another. And, and, you know, you've got this bitter pain and suffering and physical bloodshed and, and, and relational, you know, just tearing apart and Peter's running away and Judas loses his mind and Mary's like watching her son die. And it's just this horrific bloodshed and brutality. And then there's this quiet and this burial and this wrapping and this weeping in silence and Saturday or whatever, and, you know, Sabbath. And, and then the first day of the week and the sun comes up and weeping may remain for the night, yeah. but joy comes in the morning. And, you know, when you think about a sunrise, that darkness and that light are kissing and that's the beauty and so I, I think it's important for us to, as we're looking at people's lives who we're proximate to as Christians, is to kind of understand, like, where are they on this journey? Like, do they even understand this journey? Yeah. You know, like, if they don't understand that God actually came to bring joy and he already brought some and started and we can feel it now with his presence and we can get purpose in it now in the midst of the pain and they don't understand the overlapping of the ages. Well, then, you know, we got to be really careful to just throw around these ideas to see, hey, you know, you you really need to see the significance of your suffering. <laughs> like that's not, no. that, that's not the paradigm that they're in. Yeah. And so understanding where people are, kind of where they see the journey and maybe are they in the silence? You know, I've, I've spent time with people who have gone through the, you know, the horrific, and then they're in the, they're just kind of in the in-between. They're not, they're not still grinding their teeth, but they're certainly not crying in sheer joy. Yeah. So you got to meet people, you know, you got to meet people with their, where they are emotionally, relationally, and, 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 but, but I do think that 
part of it is like to help them process holistically this this situation yeah and so you know and you know you think about mary um you know them bringing the spices and the burial herbs you know like sometimes that's what it is right like sometimes it's a present and no words it's just it's balm you know it's sweetness it's it's something and do that you know like so meet with people love people experience people in their pain find out where they are join them in the journey that that's what i think it means to be a a i'll say like real realism real christian you know understanding the beauty of pain I, I, I know I'm going long. One of the things I tell people when when I have the the moment, everybody doesn't know what they believe, and then they you know they have a funeral, yeah, and then they and then then they have cognitive dissonance, yeah. So what they feel is so radical, and um, they don't know what they think. So they have to move towards what they thought they thought, like oh everything's going to be okay, and you know, but really it's probably just because everything's so bad they don't you know yeah, it's going to be can. okay and. And, and so you kind of figure out what people actually think and what they feel and what they believe about life and death. And it's, it's really like this kind of massive chasm of their life that they just avoid. Yeah. And uh, being proximate to funerals and death and stuff over the past 20 years in ministry, it's like what one of the things I found, which is fascinating, is that sometimes families come together more through a funeral than anything else. Yeah, I've seen that. So suffering and joy. Yeah. It's just like it's a weird reality that the Christian needs to kind of have both, you know, full view of, panoramic view of this this sunset thing happening in the world that we live in and 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 be sensitive to it. You know, um but man, I, I tell them all the time, I'm like, man, you want family to come together? Almost funerals more than weddings. Weddings tend to have a a very high potential for conflict, yeah. you know, but funerals tend to just kind of sober everybody up. Well, and brings bring, it right and, in front of your face. Bring, them, bring everyone together. Yep. You kind of go like, oh, we had this petty thing. And now like, dude, we lost. Yeah. Like we're... We're both in this now, so that that's that's a, that's a it's a it's a really neat piece. Yeah, that's really good too. Um, you instructed us to do little difficult things uh, to train us for doing yeah, yeah. Um, bigger difficult yeah. things. Yeah, for those of us that have kids or will have kids, how do we instill this practice into our children so that they get accustomed to doing um, little difficult things yeah. and, and get prepared for when big things come their way. Well, you know, when they're young, there's very little uh, instruction, right? It's more of just direction. Hey, yeah. do this. You need to clean this up. You know, yeah, it's painful. You need to clean it up. And eventually you get to explain to them, like, you didn't clean that up. You know who else? Has, you know who has to do it if you don't? Mom your brother, whatever, yeah. like, it, you know, so you start to show them that like, they've got to do what is required for a family to exist. And you can't just, you know, have whatever you want. You've got to pay. And so with older kids, 
this is a conversation I literally have all the time. I mean, it's a conversation I have all the time. So right now, um, our boys are in football, but they've spent significant time uh, in basketball. You know, they, they both made the travel team. I was a coach of my older son for four years. And, um, you know, basketball is just, the thing about football, right? You, you know, there's 22 guys on each side, right? So, yeah. so kind of everybody makes a team. Yeah. You know, if you have any athletic ability, you basically are going to participate. And even when you get to high school, like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of positions. So if you're bigger and you have a little speed or whatever, you're probably going to participate at some level. Yeah. Well, basketball is not that way. Five guys play. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the doorway is more narrow, which means that your skill set has to be, it can't just be like you played well. Yeah, it has to be so much better. You, you have to actually grow and develop your skills. And, and, and so that our guys have, you know, they've done the travel thing. They do the AAU thing. They, we have a gym that like they go to training for over the years, all the time in the off season. They're just like working on skills, working on ball handling skills, all this stuff. Well, even with all that, you get to football season and basketball, like if you don't play for a month, you can get rusty. Right. Yep. So, you know, this week, literally it was like, Jet, we got him in this, in this, he's playing football, but he's in a, he has these little things in the middle of the week on one night a week for basketball, but he's also in a Nova, um, league basketball league on Saturdays and it's two games and he's a fifth grader and the teams are fifth, sixth graders. And some teams are just, uh, thrown together random kids that signed up and yeah. some kids, some teams are teams that a coach put into the thing. Oh, okay. So most of those are all sixth graders. Yeah. So Jets on one of these mixed teams with mostly fifth graders and they mostly play teams who are all sixth graders. Yeah. It's tough. And now Jet, he's a fighter. He played hard and all this stuff. But the first week after he's like, I don't, I just do not want to go do that. But like he, he got better. He spent time on the floor. I'm like, Jet, I'm like, as you're in there, like, don't worry about like, like, you know, necessarily winning or losing. Think about making your decisions, playing basketball the way you know is right. Like, get your mind around the speed of the game. Think about your dribbling, like work on the Christmas of your, you know, the, of your passes and all that stuff. And so the second week, he, he was almost in tears. Uh-huh. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to that. I don't want to do that. Friday night. And I literally just sat down with him really calm. And I said, Jet, like, listen, man, I know that the way you feel right now is you do not want to go do that because it's hard. But I promise you in a month, when you are getting ready to go to tryouts, you will feel like you really want to play well. Yeah. And you, and you'll want to do well at that. And if you go and work now, when you feel like you don't want to and do it anyway, when you show up at that, you will feel better. You'll be like, Ooh, I'm glad I did that. I'm really glad I did that. And I'm like, it's not, I said, think about that jet. I know the way you feel. You don't want to do it. And I understand why it's Friday night. You have a game at nine. I'm making you go to bed. He wants to stay up. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is, and I tell him, I'm like, guys, this is what it is. This is life. 
Like every day, all day long, the dog wants fed. The dog wants a walk, needs a walk. I, I, I don't want to take the dog on a walk, but I do it. Yeah. It's everything we're doing. So, I'm, so I, I think that like part of instilling it in your kids is just teaching them that life is about work. Yeah. It's, it is about going in and working hard and earning something. That's what it is. So, you know, anytime you can show them how that plays out in their reality, and then they did it. Yeah. And they cool. got better. And Jet's first shot, he backed up and hit a three. And then we leave, and he's like, oh, that was fun. You know what I mean? That's it's like, awesome. it's like, dude, like, you, it's not just fun. Like, you just invested in next month's tryouts. And very few of your friends are in Reynoldsburg at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. They're at home in bed or eating bacon. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the difference. Yeah. And they, and I've gotten able to show them that the whole time because they've continued to do better and, and make, like, start, contribute more. And three years ago, Kellen was not a starter. And I was like, you want to be a starter? I was like, if you want to be a starter, you have to work harder than everybody else. I was like, and if you just, if you go to the gym those two days a week when all your friends are staying at home and playing on Fortnite, if you go, then you will show up and you will have more to offer at that thing. That's why I love sports. That's what it's about. It's about life. You play sports the way you do life. If you understand it, then you can, you can really take that mindset. And anyway, I digress. I know we have to go, but I talk to a lot of people who run small businesses and, uh, you know, one of their prerequisites is like you play at a team sport. You right. know, so there's the yeah, team aspect, good. there's the communal aspect, but there's also just the work. Yeah. Just, it, you know, you, when, you, when you're on a team, like you got to grind. Like you can't just like leave your comrade, you know, to do all the work. Like yeah. you got to like, you, you, when you're on a team, you end up always increasing performance because otherwise you wouldn't stay on the team. So everybody progresses. Yeah. And if you don't progress, then you get left behind. So that that it challenges you. But it's everything. It's it's all parts. You know. That was really helpful. So there you go, man. All right. We need to start winding things down. Thanks for spending your time listening to us this week. A little plug on an event we have coming up. Uh, October 8th, mark your calendars. We have party in the parking lot. It's a great time for everyone of all ages. So make sure you bring your family, invite your friends. If you're a pickleballer, bring make it. sure you register for the tournament. I heard I heard Joel has a really awesome prize for the winners. We got some prizes. All right, we'll be here next week. Same time, same channel to cover part four of Fall at 514 on The Rest. <laughs>